Welcome to Onco Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Onco Farm, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It is June 1st, June 2023, and I'm going to talk about an FDA approval and uh, I think an exciting kind of under the under the radar publication about uh, paclitaxel neuropathy prevention. So let's start with yesterday's news. FDA approving a lab rip in combination with abiraterone and prednisone or prednisolone in um, mutated uh, BRCA um, suspected or deleterious BRCA mutations in metastatic castration resistant prostate cancer in the first line setting. So these folks could have received uh, prior docetaxel for castrate sensitive prostate cancer, but they could not have received abiraterone or darolutamide or enzalutamide or any of these what they were calling novel hormonal agents, which which now are not so novel. It's a little bit like we used to call like uh, apixaban and, and dibigatran noacs, like novel oral anticoagulants, and, and now they're not so novel anymore, uh, a decade or more into practice. So let's do a little background here on Olaparib, uh, Linparza, brand name, uh, which is a PARP inhibitor, and PARP is a DNA repair enzyme, and we have to go back uh, now three years to 2000. Um, and, and 20, the PROFOUND study, and PRO is capitalized. Uh, we got to get that right. It's PRO is capitalized. Everything else is underlined in the PROFOUND study. Uh, this was met, these were metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer patients who had already received one novel uh, hormonal therapy. So they had all received either enzalutamide or abiraterone or both, and they had to have homologous recombination repair defects. So homologous recombination repair refers to the process of repairing double-strand DNA breaks. And they had two cohorts. We talked about this on the podcast. You can go back like, I don't know, 300 episodes ago or 150 episodes ago and find it probably. Cohort A was BRCA1, BRCA2, and ATM mutations. Cohort B was a whole bunch of other mutations, like 12 other mutations. All right. Uh, they have a significant improvement in relapse uh, or radiographic progression-free survival. Can't read my notes. Um, uh, the hazard ratio is 0.34. If you just look at the BRCA1, BRCA2, and ATM group, 0.34, very far away from one. If you look at everybody, it rises to 0.49. Now, you can look at a subgroup analysis, and you can figure out pretty much all this benefit is in cohort A. That's the BRCA1, BRCA2, and ATM. And you can pretty clearly see that almost the benefit is just entirely limited to BRCA2. That's the most, um, that's the largest group in cohort A. However, Despite what seems pretty obvious when you look at the subgroup analysis, um, that it maybe this benefit is only in those with the in cohort A, the BRCA1, BRCA2, ATM mutations. It was FDA approved for all homologous repair combination defects, except for this PPP2R2A, which sounds like a Star Wars droid, um, where there were only 10 patients enrolled and they actually had a very a very poor uh, benefit to risk profile. All right, so Olaparib was approved single agent um, compared to a really substandard control group. They already had abiraterone or enzalutamide, and you're going to give them more uh, abiraterone. Uh, so, of course, they're not going to do well, but that was the approval. And it was for all homologous recombination repair deficits, uh, deficits except for that PPP2R2A. All right, so it's in the background of that we talk about now uh, Propel, Propel, which is uh, abiraterone and Olaparib versus 
uh, abiraterone alone in the first-line treatment of metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer. They could have had docetaxel, okay, right, for their uh, initial disease. So if you had high-volume disease, especially when you're first diagnosed with metastatic castrate or metastatic prostate cancer, you're probably going to get six cycles of docetaxel. They could have had that, but they could not have had taxane for castration-resistant prostate cancer where the disease progresses despite being on your 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 luprolide, your androgen deprivation therapy, okay? So Pro-Pel is Abby, Abiraterone, Old Olaparib versus just Abiraterone, uh, 400 patients almost in each arm, so large study. Um, now, this is all patients, okay, with, with prostate cancer. Uh, 28% approximately have homologous recombination repair uh, deficits, 11% have BRCA1 or 2 deficits, 9% BRCA2. So again, most of these folks with the BRCA mutations in prostate cancer are BRCA2 mutations. Um, I'm going to read the results from the FDA because they said this pretty well, and this is in the setting of three years ago, they approved Olaparib in a later line of therapy um, for all homologous recombination repair deficits, uh, even though the benefit looked like it was limited just to one subgroup, right? Um, so now the people who make this drug are doing a study with 800 people, regardless of if they have homologous recombination repair deficits. Okay, so a statistic I'm quoting here from the, the press release from FDA, a statistically significant improvement in radiographic progression-free survival for a leopard with Abby compared to placebo with Abby in the intent to treat population, that's everybody, was observed. An exploratory subgroup analysis, and again, I'm editorializing here, but an exploratory should read hypothesis generating, not practice changing, typically, right? That's how we say it. And exploratory subgroup analysis in 85 of the 800 patients almost, 85 patients with BRCA mutated, which is 11% of the whole population, demonstrated, uh, I won't do the median uh, PFS um, because it wasn't reached compared to eight months, hazard ratio 0.24. Um, for radiographic progression free survival. The overall survival hazard ratio in this BRCA mutated subgroup was 0.3, really far away from one. Now, in the 711 patients without BRCA mutations, the, the uh, radiographic uh, progression free survival hazard ratio was 0.77, with a 95% constable, does not cross one, goes up to 0.96, and the overall survival hazard ratio was 0.92, which is almost one, and that constable gives 0.74 to 1.4, quote, suggesting that the improvement in radiographic progression free survival observed in the intent to treat population was primarily attributable to patients with BRCA mutation. This is um, not prop what purists would say is the evidence-based conclusion from this because they're, they're saying w the benefit you see in the whole population is because of what you see in the BRCA mutated population, which is what you know I, I would have said, and I think that's right. And I think the FDA approval here is, is a common sense approval. Uh, and so ODAC, the Oncology Drug Advisory Committee, voted 11 to 1 in favor of limiting the approval just to this BRCA mutated population or subgroup, uh, which I agree with, even if it's not the, the purest in the evidence-based standpoint. Um, we have to do the best for our patients with the limits of the data that we have, and uh, we cannot let great be the enemy of good. Not a great study design, but we have some, I think, good data for this um, not terribly common, but, you know, it's going to be... I would guess, less than 10% of the overall patient population for uh, castration-resistant prostate cancer. Now, as a role in therapy, abiraterone plus olaparib, if you're BRCA mutated and you've progressed despite being on luprolide, that makes sense. 
However, most of these folks now, their initial treatment for castration-sensitive prostate cancer is going to include docetaxel plus abiraterone or docetaxel plus darolutamide, or if they're not fit for docetaxel, just abiraterone or apalutamide or enzalutamide, and now is there a benefit in these folks that you're currently seeing? We don't know because that wasn't studied. So, um, you know, I, I imagine that this will quickly be incorporated in guidelines and we'll say to do this. Um, we already know, for example, that if you do enzalutamide first, abiraterone does not work as well in the second line setting. So if you're on abiraterone, you continue it plus olaparib. Uh, questions that, that are, are unanswered here and a, and a sequencing issue that will be uh, um, maybe not worked out in the future, uh, but uh, certainly seems to be benefit of olaparib plus, um, plus abiraterone here in these folks with the BRCA mutated disease. But uh, and that probably calls into question whether or not we should be as liberal or as um, uh, as free with our use of a labyrinth than in the next line setting in those that have, say, uh, you know, ATM or, or other um, uh, homologous repair combination uh, um, deficits as well. Okay, so that's a little bit of a prostate cancer update. I want to talk about one of the more exciting uh, uh, studies to come across uh, my inbox, and this is looking at. Uh, the effect of celostazole on preventing paclitaxel-induced neuropathy in patients with breast cancer, a randomized controlled clinical trial trying to prevent taxane neuropathy is, is not a new story. Many things have been tried. I, I know that I had a physician who was like, yeah, we should give glutamate to everybody. His studies are a little bit mixed, not, not too um, convincing. So uh, this is a study from Mansour and colleagues um, who um, are... Um, Mostly, uh, there are four authors on this on this paper. Three are Egyptian uh, pharmacists. One looks to be an Egyptian uh, oncologist, and they are looking at celostazole to prevent paclitaxel. And you're like, celostazole, that drug we learned about in cardio? Yeah. So celostazole is a phosphodiesterase three inhibitor, and its primary use is intermittent claudication in peripheral artery disease. I don't know why we say claudication. Um, which to me, it's ischemia in your legs. <laughs> Can we just say ischemia instead of claudication, which is um, basically a, a narrowing of the blood vessels that leads to decreased blood flow and oxygen delivery, which causes pain and fatigue. And the way that you measure improvement of this is how long you could, this is six minute walk test, I think, or how, how far you can walk before you have to stop because it gets painful. So celostazole, because it inhibits phosphodiesterase 3, leads to smooth muscle um, uh, uh, inhibition and, and vasodilation, which opens up blood vessels, decreases platelet ag aggregation, and that helps restore blood flow and oxygen delivery. Okay. Well, Schwann cells, which are the uh, the neural cells in um, like in our peripheral nervous system, that are responsible for creating the myelin, that myelin sheet around the axon that is important for insulation nerves, so that nerve conduction can happen. Uh, well, those Schwann cells are uh, partially maintained by cyclic AMP, and cyclic AMP is broken down by phosphodiesterase. So you inhibit phosphodiesterase, PDE, you'll increase levels of cyclic AMP, and the higher levels of cyclic AMP lead to Schwann cell differentiation and maintainment of Schwann cells. Um, and this has been shown in the lab uh, that uh, if you take Schwann cells in the lab, expose them to, um, to paclitaxel, if you give them celostazole as well, you can actually have you can blunt the effects of paclitaxel on the Schwann cells. That's the in vitro basis for this study. Uh, it's a small study, 
um, they they wanted to include a hundred uh, or ninety three were screened. They enrolled a little over sixty. Uh, they they do a nice job describing it in their stats. They wanted thirty in each group. It's a small study, but they're like we're looking for a, a large impact size. So if you're looking for a large effect size, you don't need a big study. So we got thirty six patients randomized to standard dose celostazole, which is I think a hundred bid or placebo, and the primary outcome is the difference uh, in stage two or uh, grade two peripheral neuropathy. Uh, and so here, and they're getting uh, 175 per meter squared of paclitaxel uh, every two weeks, presumably with growth factor support, for four cycles. So very much the dose-dense paclitaxel. That's what they're getting, not the weekly paclitaxel that many folks do here in the States, but many folks also are doing dose-dense paclitaxel, uh, 175 every two weeks. And that's this, this, uh, this regimen here. So the incidence of grade two or three neuropathy in the placebo group was 87%, 40%. With salostazole. Less than half as much if those who received salostazole. And they started salostazole uh, before treatment uh, and they went basically just through through treatment, right? Um, they are, um, there's also uh, lower rates of uh, cancer related uh, neurotoxicity. They also looked at some objective measures because how bad is your neuropathy is subjective. Some ob objective measures of, of nerve growth percentage, which was. Um, which slightly improved with salotol, but was actually reduced with placebo-conferring benefit. And then um, they also looked at neurofilament light change, which was not statistically significant between the two groups, but numerically favored salostazol. Now, um, so anyway, to any you know, for pharmacists to do a randomized controlled trial, even with small numbers, uh, is is laudatory. It's wonderful. Um, what would prevent someone from doing this? Salostazole is pretty safe. Causes quite, you know, causes headache, like like sildenafil or other phosphodiesterase inhibitors. They cause headache. Vasodilators do that, uh, and some diarrhea, but not terribly horrible side effects. A few patients did actually stop taking salostazole due to side effects, um, um, uh, presumably headache, uh, in the trial. the The concern would be: is salostazole going to cause? any impairment in the activity of paclitaxel. And from a, from a, a bioplausibility standpoint, I can't think of any way that it does it. It's not interfering with paclitaxel and how it works. The theory here is that we're, we're basically helping to keep our Schwann cells healthy, which are not the target. Unless you're using paclitaxel for like a Schwann cell cancer, then I probably wouldn't use salostazole. But if it's for breast cancer, which is what it was in this case, uh, all these patients had breast cancer, then it seems like something that's probably worth trying. Um, and uh, I would like to see more people uh, describe this. I would have loved for them to, to just, to, you couldn't verify it with 30 patients in each arm, but, but at least, and so they, it's probably good they didn't look at it, but I would be reassured to know that there's no detriment in the, um, uh, in the efficacy of this, and I think you might be able to design a study to show that there is improved efficacy, perhaps. Take a big, big study to show that if you can actually uh, replicate and reproduce this neuroprotective effect of salostazole from taxane neuropathy, that more uh, patients can stay on schedule. You can maintain your dose density and your dose intensity, and that should lead to improved outcomes, uh, which uh, which is what uh, I, I would love to see. Uh, so, uh, you know, certainly opens door for other folks here uh, in the states and everywhere else to to do your own studies with salostazole. Um, certainly seems like it would make a, a great uh, maybe investigator initiated phase two study. Uh, to, to put patients on it, and, and I think you can pair it to historical control uh, and, uh, and have some value there uh, for these patients. Okay, so that is what I have this week. ASCO is coming up this weekend. I'll be uh, out of town this weekend, but not at ASCO. 
So um, uh, I will be back uh, next week, probably with a big ASCO wrap-up episode. Um, uh, um, until I talk to you again, uh, thank you for uh, for listening. Oh, before I go, I do want to point out, and I'll link this in the show notes, uh, this uh, Solosidol study has a wonderful visual abstract uh, or graphical abstract included in the publication. Uh, those of you who follow me on Instagram, at AquifarmPod, uh, or on Twitter, at AquifarmPod, or FarmDeepNib, uh, you'll know that I, I do a biomedical communications APPE with pharmacy students where I have them create things like graphical abstracts and infographics. And, and this is a, a really good example if you're interested in that that is uh, relatively easy to create, very visually appealing, and uh, very easy to understand what the study was, how it was done, and what the results were uh, with very few words and, and good images, which uh, makes the communication, I think, much easier. So again, thank you for listening. Uh, And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter.